1: BP show. To the real world here, out of the weekend, into this busy week with Congress coming back in town, healthcare on the agenda, and President Trump back to Europe again uh, to help celebrate Bastille Day uh, with Emmanuel Macron in Paris. What the hell is Macron doing inviting Donald Trump to France? At any rate, good to see you today. Hope you had a great weekend, a nice summer weekend. Caught up with your friends and family and uh, had a chance to relax, watch some sports. uh, And now we move into this week on the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. As we boom out to you coast to coast uh, with the news of the day, both what's happening here in Washington. Yes, what happened at the G20. uh, And um, maybe uh, take a look at some sports today, too. Travis Waldron will join us from uh, Huffington Post. Daniela Gibbs-Léger from uh, the Center for American Progress, and Annie Linsky from the Boston Globe. All of that coming to you from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where we look forward to hearing from you on Twitter, at BP Show with your comments on the day. And uh, despite all the denials, well, here we go again. One more meeting between the Trumpsters and Russian officials, this one with Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner. We'll get into all of that, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making
2: news. We'll go to the box office first. From over the weekend, it was a big weekend for Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming pulled in $117 million here in North America for its opening weekend. That is a big opening, although it's not the biggest opening for any Spider-Man movie ever. Spider-Man 3 holds that record, uh, but across the globe, Spider-Man Homecoming brought in $257 million. Big numbers. Another big hit for Marvel.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't see it, but I don't know. You... Shock. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> does
2: it, he does not really strike me as their demo <laughs> for the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, let's take a look at the world's largest cities. This is a new list that was compiled using the population uh, from last year, the annual growth, and the percent of the country's population combined with the estimated population, the but,
1: largest city in but, the but, world. Well we kind of know what they are, don't we, anyhow? Well, you tell me. What?
2: This, lo- uh, we have data here that points to it. So what's number one? In the world, largest city in the world is?
1: I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just trying to think. But it's not New York. It used to be New, New York. York. Is number
2: ten. That's the highest that any that American right? city mm. is on the list. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Number one is Tokyo, Japan. Really? Yeah. That's the largest city in the world. Oh, the annual I po- be in the third world the, the population is 38 million people living in Tokyo, wow. which is astounding. Uh, and that's gotten that's grown half a percent since last year. It's too
3: crowded for me. It's yeah. way too crowded. Yeah. It's 30
2: yeah. percent. Of Japan's total population. Uh, number two on the list is Delhi, India. Number three is Shanghai, China. Number four is Bombay, or Mumbai, India. And number five is Sao Paulo, Brazil.
3: Hmm. Right. Sao Paulo makes sense. As
2: news you can use, man.
1: Yeah, there you go. As news you can use. And finally, yeah, one more story. for the next cocktail party. We go,
2: yeah, right. And then we go to California. <laughs> yes. If you play the lottery. You're a big lottery guy. Rosa Dominguez is a 19-year-old woman who bought two $5 lottery tickets in one week. Both of them were winners. No. Both of them were winners. She has brought up one of them. She won half a million dollars. The other one, she won $100,000. In one week, she won $655,000.
1: You know what? I'm going to team up with Rosa. Yeah, right. If
2: you're looking for good luck, Uh, she's got it.
1: I'll give her the money. She buys the tickets. (laughs) And we'll split it. How's that? Supplies the (laughs) luck. Exactly.
4: On your radio, on TV, and online, this
1: is the Bill Press Show. It was the best G20 summit ever, led by the most effective United States president ever, who got more compliments than any president has ever received in history. Uh, That's the take on the G20 from uh, Donald Trump. Nobody else shares that point of view. Hello, everybody. Monday, July 10. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Here we are, ready to go for a whole new week and a whole lot going on. With the Senate and the House coming back in town, the Senate still struggling with uh, the health care repeal of Obamacare, their own health care bill, looking less and less likely they're going to be able to put it together. Donald Trump getting ridiculed by uh, even fellow Republicans for his suggestion that we can make a deal now to work together on cybersecurity with uh, Vladimir Putin and Donnie Jr. in a little hot water now when it turns out that he did. And Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort have a meeting with a big time Kremlin connected Russian attorney to get some dirt on Hillary Clinton. Good to see you today, folks. You see, we've got lots and lots to talk about here on the Bill Press Show this Monday, <laughs> July 10. Coming to you live coast to coast. We're looking at you on Free Speech TV. We're joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Go there and sign up and be part of our team. And out in the Chicago area on WCPT, hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Don't forget, if you can't catch everything in the morning, our podcast is up every day, the entire show, at billpressshow.com. Uh, so good to see you. And uh, no, I did not see Spider-Man over the weekend, but I saw a good movie. What did you say? As a new movie. New to me at any rate, I think it's a pretty new out, and uh, it's very very funny. Called the Big Sick.
2: Oh yeah, I heard about oh, this. Yeah. It's supposed to be great.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. It's uh, it's a little slow start, but it's a beautiful story. It's a true story about this Pakistani comedian Kamal
2: Kamal Najami.
1: Kamal Najami. very funny Thank guy you. by the way. Very. From Silicon
3: Valley on HBO. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah that's
1: exactly. Guy. Yeah, very funny guy. This is a story about uh, you know, his. Pakistani Muslim family insisting that he had to marry a good Muslim girl trying to line him up with all these young Muslim women and uh, he meets this other girl and falls in love with her and it's the one he eventually marries. That's but his wife a, in real life. His wife and in Ray real Gordon. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, um, it's a funny story and, uh, um, and she gets sick, which is why. She gets in the hospital, which is why. The big sick. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, mm-hmm. I don't want to give the whole plot away. All, right. all I'm saying is If you want a really feel-good, funny movie, and, you know, those are good every once in a while. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. Beautifully done and a beautiful story. That's great. Yeah, I want to see that. The Big Sick. The Big Sick. All right. I I, I recommend it. Yeah, it was a Big Sick. (laughs) (laughs) It was a Big Sick in Hamburg, Germany, too. I mean, uh, did you see it? It, it? President Trump, talk about isolation. I mean, the pictures that we saw, he went over there. And he was, you know, in previous years, okay, so the um, the G20 got started in 1999. It hasn't been around that long. But these, let's put it in context, right? These are the 20 most powerful nations on the planet, the 20 most powerful economies, right? So this isn't like, you know, you have the ASEA summit, which is just the Asian nations, or the EU, just the year. No. This is worldwide, 20 most powerful economies. So you've got China, you got Japan, you also have Germany, you got Canada, you got the US, right? And um, they we're the ones that convened this first time. and every other G20 summit has been the United States sets the agenda. The United States is the dominant player. The United the president of the United States is the one that everybody whose lead everyone follows. Uh, we look; they they look to the United States for where we should be going on trade, on immigration, on climate change, on whatever the issue is. It used to be that way, not this year. No, uh, as our friend Joe Francisco summed it up when he was in last week with this G20, uh, this, this G20 summit, Angela Merkel being in charge, being the host. Uh, the, the the sort of su- summation of the meeting was the leader of the free world meets the president of the United States uh, because the leader of the free world no longer the president of the United States. Uh, and um, if you saw pictures from, uh, from uh, Hamburg, you could see that. I mean, I saw so, so many pictures where people were—world st- leaders, they're standing around, they're talking, they're chatting, they're kind of making deals— Donald Trump sitting at the table by himself. Nobody talking to him. Uh, pictures of Ivanka Trump sitting in because her father wasn't even there. They didn't even know where he was. So Ivanka sits in for her father. Uh, and it was on an issue after issue. Uh, they recognized the United States was just the outlier. And you know what? They didn't care. They went on without us, and they went on without him. Uh, I think summing up the G20 summit, uh, this went crazy over the weekend on on uh, viral. Uh, is this reporter from Australia? Boy, if we had journalists, so if we had journalists like this, his name is Chris Ullman. He's with ABC in Australia. Uh, so first of all, he talks about in terms of again going it alone. There was one opportunity, however where Donald Trump could have brought everybody together. Because remember, July 4, it was not just last week, that North Korea fired off this intercontinental ballistic missile, which is capable of reaching Alaska. Very, very troubling. And everybody expected Donald Trump to come in and not just talk about North Korea. He did. He talked about it in North Korea, he said, with the uh, prime minister of Japan and, with the, and the president of China but to actually introduce a resolution to get the G20 to condemn North Korea for this reckless sort of saber rattling everybody expected that they were all willing and ready to vote for it even China didn't happen why Donald Trump never raised it with the group never int- the United States never introduced any resolution to deal with it there was no statement of condemnation Chris Olman again from ABC Australia points out this
5: total lack of leadership on the part of Donald Trump. The G20 became the G19 as it ended. On the Paris Climate Accords, the US was left isolated and friendless. But given that that was always going to happen, a deft president would have found an issue around which he could rally most of the leaders. And he had the perfect one, North Korea's missile tests. So where was the G20 statement condemning North Korea, which would put pressure on China and Russia? Other leaders expected it. They were prepared to back it, but it never came.
1: Never came. And uh, Chris Ullman sums up uh, the the United States leaving the G20 summit with, again, the United States, no longer the world leader, the United States. You know what this was? This was the decline of the American empire, and it only took Donald Trump six months.
5: So what did we learn? We learned that Donald Trump has pressed fast forward on the decline of the United States as a global leader. He managed to isolate his nation, to confuse and alienate his allies, and to diminish America. He will cede that power to China and Russia, two authoritarian states that will forge a very different set of rules for the 21st century. Some will cheer the decline of America, but I think we'll miss it when it's gone. Oh, God, that hurts. Isn't that? <laughs> that's oh, God, it is chilling. Some will cheer the decline of America, but I think we'll miss it when it's gone. Ooh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well said, and uh, and just so sad and so regrettable. And look, you know, uh, we'll bounce back. David Remnick writes in the New Yorker, the magazine, you know, not all is lost. We'll bounce back. But why do we have to falter in the first place? Uh, and um, it'll take a long time. It is going to take a long time. It'll take, the amount of, it'll the, take a long time. The, the, look at how
2: quickly he got, like, just scaled so much goodwill back. Like, we're going to have to go back and re-earn the trust of everybody. And I, I'm thinking of, I think the definitive moment of who we are now as a country, and who our leader is, is not at the G20, but a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was the G7, where all of the leaders walked,
1: yeah, like 200 yards. Oh, that was when they were in uh, um, Italy, uh, Sicily. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So
2: they had to walk like literally 200 yards. And so they just started walking, and Trump had to wait. His fat ass had to sit around and wait for a golf cart. Right. So they got there 20 minutes before he did, and it's just like he doesn't care. He doesn't care about being polite. He doesn't care about working with the other countries. He just cares about his own agenda.
1: Right. Uh, Chris Ullman there did refer to one one area where we were totally isolated, uh, climate change. Uh, And again, these guys are grownups, right? They don't care about this petulant little crybabies in the White House right now. So – yeah, on June the 1st, uh, Donald Trump uh, held his news uh, conference. I was there in the Rose Garden where he's, he's pulling out of the Paris Accords. Uh, you would think that, that, that maybe did he expect the G20 to like fall apart and lose their drive, lose their determination because the United States went the other way? You know what? Under a different president in a different time, that might have happened, not under Donald Trump. They just ignored him, and they went ahead and adopted a whole new Um, outline and set of principles for all countries to those major economies, major countries again, uh, to meet the goals of the Paris Accord. In fact, in their statement, they said the Paris Accord is irreversible, which means, no, Donald Trump, you cannot turn it back. It is irreversible. And the vote on that resolution was 19 to 1. What a disgrace, what an embarrassment for the United States. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, again uh, sort of asserting the determination of all all the other world leaders to accept science, to recognize the danger to our planet, and to move forward. I think the
3: fact that the G20 stayed strong and committed, even with the United States stepping aside, is a strong indication that the global community in general is committed and united.
1: And it's a strong sign, too, that the global community in general does not take Donald Trump seriously. And they don't pay attention to anything that he does. And, of course, the highlight of the G20 probably was not any of the meetings of all 20 nations, but just the one meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin—that everybody was waiting for. How to dump Trump? Donald Trump started off by saying how honored he was to meet with Vlad.
4: We're going to have a talk now, and obviously that will continue. But we look forward to a lot of very positive things
5: happening for Russia, for the United States, and for everybody concerned. And it's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. An honor. An honor. To be with you. Hardly an honor to be somebody who tried to undermine the, United, the the presidential election of 2016. And on that point, yes, so we've learned from Rex Tillerson and Sergey Lavrov, the Russian foreign, foreign minister, that Donald Trump did start their conversation by saying, uh, I mean, it, it went something like this. Hey, Vlad, people say that you tried to interfere with our election. Did you? And Vlad says, No, Donnie, I didn't. Donald Trump. Okay, I just wanted to ask. Case closed. Case closed. Let's move forward. Yeah. That that was it. That was it. That's all that they got. Let's move forward. Well, I shouldn't say that's all they got, because not only are we going to move forward, according to Donald Trump, but we're going to partner, partner with Vladimir Putin... In cyber security. As Marco Rubio, Republican senator from Florida, said, partnering with Vladimir Putin on cybersecurity is like partner- partnering with Bashar al-Assad al- al- on chemical weapons. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is insane. What are, the, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And Donald Trump says for him, it's just OK. Well, I asked him. He said he didn't. I believe him. Let's move on. Here's his tweet over the weekend. Quote, I strongly pressed President Putin twice about Russian meddling in our election. He vehemently denied it. I've already given my opinion. Opinion? Wait a minute. Again, 17 intelligence agencies said they did it. And all Donald Trump is saying is, well, I think they and others, he keeps adding others without any evidence of anybody else, uh, that's my opinion. He's got, he has got he denies it. Okay, so uh, let's move on. You let's know, move on?
2: Like, you know, f- for one thing, this is bad optics for just the president of the United States going and butting up with a guy like Vladimir Putin, right? That's, that's clearly uh, bad. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, like, on a totally different level, this is a huge win for Vladimir Putin. At a huge win for him to his people, right? Which is something we don't Absolutely. really think about. Absolutely. I mean, he can go back and just say, "Look, hey, you know, Pudi- the American president understands. I had nothing to do with it. Even he says so."
1: Putin set a trap. Donald yeah. Trump walked right into it. Yeah. So uh, tra- we said
2: this was going to happen. We we like we yeah. talked last week about what a master Putin is at these types of things. He he sprung a fairly obvious trap, right? And Donald Trump walked right into it. You're right.
1: Right. So Donald Trump wouldn't comment on the meeting afterwards, except, uh, except those little tweets. It was up to uh, Rex Tillerson. Uh, Rex Tillerson told reporters again, uh, Donald Trump raised it. Putin, pardon me, Putin denied it. Uh, the president pressed President Putin on more than one occasion regarding Russian involvement. Uh, president Putin denied such involvement uh, as I think he has in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rex uh, Tillerson of uh, echoing uh, the president. Um, come on, we have more important fish to fry. I think the relationship and the president made this clear as well. It's too important, and it's too important to not find a way to move forward, not dismissing the issue in any way. Move forward? In other words, okay, well, forget it. Well, we, uh, yeah, we said they did, but they say they didn't, so let's just move forward and partner with them. Adam Schiff, ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, says, move forward. You know what that means, turning, it, turning our election over to them. I don't think we can move on. I don't think we can expect
4: the Russians to be any kind of a credible partner in some cybersecurity unit. Uh, I think that would be dangerously naive for this country. Uh, if that's our best election defense, we might as well just mail our ballot boxes uh, to Moscow. I, I don't think that's an answer at all.
1: Uh, yeah, move the move the ballot boxes over there. And uh, how about uh, on the Republican side? Lindsey Graham was asked yesterday by Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. So what do you think about this idea of uh, partnering with Russia? Cyber security unit will prevent future election ha- hacking and many other negative things will be guarded. What say you, sir? It's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and his buddy John McCain chimes in, too. Eat. I am sure that Vladimir Putin
4: could be of enormous as- assistance <laughs> in that effort since he's doing the hacking. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it, it's, look, I support this president. I did not support him, okay, but he is the president. I've tried to work with him wherever I can.
1: Yeah, it's laughable. It oh, is. Wait. It's laugh-out-loud funny. Can I, I just, I just
2: want to read this really quickly. Uh... This was yesterday morning at 7.50 a.m. Donald Trump tweeted, Putin and I discussed forming an an impenetrable cybersecurity unit so that election hacking and many other negative things will be guarded. And he goes on a little rant about that. That's at 7.50 a.m. At 8.45 p.m. last night, he tweeted something completely different. The fact that President Putin and I discussed a cybersecurity unit doesn't mean I think it can happen. It can't, uh-huh. but a ceasefire can't and did. So he says in the morning, "Yeah, we're going to form this cybersecurity unit, and then in the evening says it can't happen. It's not the dumbest
1: idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close. <laughs> it's a pretty
2: dumb idea. I mean, the president changed his mind in 12 yeah. hours.
1: Yeah, right. You know, because he just forgets what he tweets. I think that's right. Somebody should have maybe, like, give him... Here, here, Your earlier tweets, sir. Right, or, right, 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 right. Yeah, maybe you so should it's not
2: contradict yourself. Check
1: the record here, right? Uh, so, so much of the G twenty again. I think the bottom line is what uh, Chris Ullman said from uh, ABC News: it is the end of the American Empire, and we saw it happen at Hamburg, Germany. Uh, it only took uh, six months to for Donald Trump to tear down and destroy what um, forty four other American presidents had built up over two, more than two centuries. Uh, we also found out uh, a little bit of news on other fronts. Um, one thing that uh, I enjoy, uh, enjoyed reading this morning in the front page of the New York Times is that Vice President Mike Pence has been um, having a lot of meetings with great big fundraisers and big donors at the vice president's residence here in uh, Washington, D.C., Um, bringing in all the big money bucks, money, money, uh, uh, you know, fat cats, if you will, uh, from the Republican Party to the vice president's residence uh, to build up his own political base. Uh, People are saying it looks like Mike Pence knows that Donald Trump's not going to be around for that much longer, and he's got to start not running against him, but just being prepared to have his own political base. I think that speaks a lot about what he sees as uh, the future of Donald Trump and his hold on the, on the White House. Uh, and, of course, that is even further shaken by, and here again, good investigative reporting by the New York Times. Uh, the White House didn't like it, but they can't deny it. In fact, they've had to confirm it. The news that first broke by the New York Times that on June 6th, June six, June nine, I forget. June, June, nine, June nine, nine, June nine, June nine, 2016. June nine, two thousand sixteen. Uh, just a couple of weeks after Donald Trump had wrapped up the Republican nomination, hadn't been nominated yet, but he had all the he had all the uh, enough votes to m- secure the nomination. Donald Trump Jr. meets with a top Russian lawyer, well connected to the Kremlin, because she promised. It was told him that this woman had some dirt on Hillary Clinton. And they meet, Donald Trump Jr. meets with her at Trump Tower in New York, and also president at that that meeting is Paul Manafort, then the campaign chairman, and, of course, son-in-law Jared Kushner. Now, okay, this is one meeting. Does this mean collusion? Maybe, maybe not. But what it does mean is all these denials... These, this year of denial by Reince Priebus by My, My, uh, by Mike Pence by Donald Trump himself that there was ever any connection between anybody around him and Russian officials was just a great big lie yeah here here is let's go to the wayback machine right thanks to Jamie here is July 24 so six weeks. After this meeting, when CNN reports that, hey, we've heard that uh, some Trump officials were meeting with some Russian officials. Don Jr. goes on just to blast this. It's just totally, totally not a, not a, no truth to it at all. It's disgusting.
4: It's so phony. I watched him bumble through the interview. I was able to hear it on audio a little bit. I mean, I can't think of bigger lies, but that exactly goes to show you what the DNC and what the Clinton camp will do. They will lie and do anything to win.
1: There it is. Yeah. What the Clinton camp will do. No, 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 no. This is what the Trump camp did. And again, so this uh, this may be You have the meetings with uh, Michael Flynn at first denied, Mm -hmm. then confirmed the meetings with Jeff Sessions at first denied or covered up and then confirmed. All the meetings with Jared Kushner and Kislyak first denied, then confirmed. And now you've got this Donald Trump Jr. meeting uh, hidden up, covered up, and now confirmed. How many more meetings were there? And what were they up to? This is what the James Comey investigation was all about. Now, Robert, under Robert Mueller... It may have shifted to obstruction of justice because Donald Trump tried to shut down. By the way, the collusion investigation is still going on, but on top of it now is obstruction of justice. But more and more information comes out, more and more you see why it's important to get to the bottom of this. We know that Russia was hacking into our, our election. Was the Trump campaign working with them? And- When they're having meetings with somebody connected to the Kremlin who promises to come in with dirt on Hillary Clinton, Uh, if that's not collusion, I don't know what is. Right? Yeah. Uh, That's pretty close. Pretty close. For sure. Uh, One final note before we move on to Travis Waldron from Huffington Post, sports reporter. Um, Yes, the Senate does come back today. The House is back tomorrow. Remember, the original plan was the Senate was going to come back this week and they were going to vote on that health care reform bill that they couldn't round up enough votes for, couldn't get 51 votes for before they broke for July 4. Our word now is they are not going to vote this week because after all the pressure that Republican senators heard from their constituents uh, about their so-called reform bill during this break, more and more Republicans are peeling away. It looks like they don't have the votes. John McCain, again, yesterday saying, uh, right now, it looks like this bill ain't going to make it.
4: My view is it's probably going to be dead, but I am, I've am i been wrong. I, I thought I'd be president of the United States.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Uh, but doesn't look good, and maybe, maybe that means that finally they will do what they should have done in the first place is sit down with Democrats and come up with some fixes for Obamacare and stop this nonsense of trying to repeal it. Mend it, don't end it, as they used to say. Yes, indeed, this is All-Star Game Week. This is Home Run Derby Week. And we've still got a lot to talk about with that video of Donald Trump slamming. uh, And sort of a... Well, where did that come from? Travis Waldron knows where that video came from. He joins us next from HuffPost.
5: Some will cheer the decline of America, but I think we'll miss it when it's gone.
4: Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. great show. New great channel. Stream live
1: video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, you got it. Monday, July 10. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Work Week here out of the weekend. Hope you had a good one. It's The Bill Press Show. We are live in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Coming to you from our studio on Capitol Hill where we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, the one and only Leo Girard, the United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. Salute them for their good work, their efforts to bring those uh, steel mills and steel jobs back to this country, and uh, thank them for the support of the program as well. Uh, yes, indeed, the world shocked when the video went out of Donald Trump pummeling a CNN reporter, there was only one person who knew where that video had come from. <laughs> He's sitting right here with us, Travis Waldron, from HuffPost. Hello, Travis, good to see you. Good to see you, too. What's going on? Good um, summer so far?
3: Great summer. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And the Braves are in second place. Only 10 games behind the The Nets. Braves are in second And, who's, and who's in first place? The Nets. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That was, know, that's a rebuilding season. Oh, I see. We're okay. coming for you, though. Only next year. Wait till next year. Wait on that. (laughs) Twenty eighteen. Playing any good golf? Uh, Playing, played a couple of rounds of golf. (laughs) Oh, not necessarily good golf. Yeah, there's a difference between playing (laughs) golf and playing. (laughs) I'm I'm at the age now where as long as the beer's cold on the golf course, then I can't complain. If you could find your ball, it's a well hit ball, right? That's what I always (laughs) say. I don't look for golf balls though. Yeah, right. If I, I'll hit it out there, and if it, if it's not, if I don't know right where it is, so yeah, I'll drop. Yeah, I'll just um, drop one. I don't have the energy for this. You're playing Clinton ball.
1: So, <laughs> yeah.
3: Clinton won't come out on the golf course with me.
1: Oh no! <laughs> so, really? No. By the way, um, I hear that Trump is actually a good golfer. You know, I've had this. He like,
2: better be. He plays enough. Well, right. I know. I know. I've had the idea I,
1: that
3: I, I want to tweet at him and just troll him like every day. Like I don't believe you. Mm. Just and see golf? if I can bait him into playing me in golf. That'd be a fun piece. But who knows? We're banned, so
2: you don't know, talk that's to right. Oh, Huff Post.
3: Maybe on a... the golf course.
2: Do you know how often he must cheat on the golf course?
3: Well, the thing is, is he apparently, like the story that, uh, <laughs> who was it from the Post did, about his cheating. Oh, yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And the ben thi- Was it Ben Tarris? Yeah. It was Ben, yeah. And the, the thing is, is you're supposed to cheat the other way in golf. You're supposed to goose your handicap so it's higher <laughs> right. so oh, that you right. can, you know, they have a term for it. Yeah. You're supposed to sandbag. You're yeah. supposed to make your handicap higher so you can do well Get in Get more strokes. Right. Yeah. right. Right. He's cheating the wrong way.
1: Saying his handicap is lower. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, like with Obama, they would never tell you what the score was. But Obama proved to, turned out to be a pretty good golfer. Yeah, he Again, got better. He, played, he played got better. He got better.
3: His swing at the beginning was tragic.
1: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> from first of all, they won't even confirm that Donald Trump plays golf. He goes to the yeah, golf course. Yeah, he visits
3: all these golf courses. That's what I right. do when I go to golf courses. Yeah, I just, just visit,
1: just sit on the on the yeah. and watch it. No. And he, so he's got his golf gear on, his golf gloves on. He, but hes we're not—we're never told for sure that he played golf. It's just the costume. Right. But those who have seen him out there and maybe play, have said that he's, he game. I believe it. Game. He plays, yeah. you know,
3: you play that much, you ought to be at least decent. <laughs>
1: So. And he's big enough to hit the ball pretty far. <laughs> 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 all right. So, so what was the story with this video? Where did it come from, and uh, what's it all about? He, so, in two thousand seven, Donald Trump
3: went to WrestleMania, which is like the Super Bowl of wrestling. It's like their biggest event, and uh, that. But this, he was always connected. Right. He's been connected to, to the McMahons who run WWE for twenty years or so. He hosted or thirty years or so now. He hosted WrestleMania at the Trump Hotel and Casino in uh, in New Jersey back mm-hmm. in the 80s. Yeah. And they had this storyline uh, in 2007 for WrestleMania leading up to it that Donald Trump was like the good billionaire, sort of, because Vince McMahon, who runs WWE, is like the biggest heel. People love to hate him. He's kind of the yeah. dictator of wrestling. and So they were going to have two guys fight on their behalf, and the, the loser – was going to have to shave his head. And so this was the storyline. And, and the, the the gif of, the now infamous gif of him slamming CNN right. um, was actually from the match where Trump clotheslined Vince McMahon.
1: Was that Vince McMahon originally? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes.
3: Uh, and the funny part is, so I did the story that was kind of the backstory of all this. I talked to most of the wrestlers who were involved and uh, some of the other people who were there. And in rehearsals, the guy they, they had a guy who stood in for McMahon because McMahon was too busy that day to do the rehearsal. And you know, the guy says he shows Trump how to hit him so that it won't hurt. Okay. Trump wails on him.
2: Oh my god. Like actually. Just actually him.
3: punches him in the head. And so according to this guy, Haz Ali, who played uh, the handler of McMahon's wrestler, kind of his manager Mm. According to him, he also hit Vince McMahon Like, for real hitting Um,
2: (laughs) He's just looking for a reason to hit people
3: Yeah, right And So at the end of the match To be
2: fair, if you're going to punch somebody in the face Vince McMahon has a face pretty good
3: for him Right, exactly And so at the end of the match, Trump gets stone cold stunned By Steve Austin (laughs) And it's, it's
1: it was described to me by Wait, multiple is that the people one in the ring because I saw the yeah, video. Yeah,
3: Steve Austin is the is kind of one of the you know biggest wrestlers of all time. Right, and his signature move was he he chugged beer and then did a Stone Cold Stunner where he he wraps your head around his shoulder and then drops you to the ground.
1: But he also like he kicked him in the gut, kicked him or... in the stomach, yeah, turned him yeah. around, dropped him.
3: Right. right there in front of 80,000 people. <laughs> and that wasn't in the plans. They only planned to do it. McMahon came up with the idea to do it like 10 minutes before they went out there. And, and Trump Trump just... But he agreed. According to Steve Austin, Trump's right-hand guy was like, hell no, we can't do this. This is dangerous. Right. And Steve Austin was like, you can do whatever you want to do. And Trump was like, oh, we're doing it.
2: I mean, look, I'll, I'll say this Which about is, Trump. And I'm, not the, and I'm not the only person to say this. He gets it, yeah. Like he he gets it. He knows exactly what will hit, like what yeah. will pop,
3: right? And the and way that's huge. So the way Trump got the mon- the crowd on his side is they rained money on people's heads that was supposedly from Donald Trump. In classic Trump fashion, was not. It yeah, was I was Vince gonna McMahon's, say I'm gonna go the list. It was Vince McMahon's money. It
2: wasn't actually
1: right. Trump's money.
3: Um. So yeah. <laughs> It was great. My favorite detail of the whole thing so this is
1: that, by the, that, that that it was a great story. I and I watched read the whole you know me sports fan, right? <laughs> but and watch the videos and everything. Is this it's still up at HuffPost?
3: Still up. Right. All the videos at everything. HuffPost.com, HuffPost.com. HuffPost.com. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. You're no, right. the best detail, my favorite detail is that Vin, that Steve Austin threw Trump a beer. <laughs> and like Trump doesn't he's famous for not drinking. Yeah. yeah. And so I asked Steve Austin, did you know that he didn't drink? And he said, no. Uh, he said, I had no idea. Damn. He said, it was just the it was the prop that everybody in the crowd knew when you got one of my beers, you were about to get stunned. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the most fun stories I've ever gotten to work on. Like, right.
1: Okay. So this video, when was this again?
3: 2007.
1: it has been around, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years. We
1: saw some and, of this during the
2: campaign, right? Right.
3: Like, yeah, there was a lot of there were a lot of stories about his like, you know, how wrestling taught Donald Trump populism or how they taught him to be a heel and uh which are all good. I mean, whatever your theory, my theory is that it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, I think whatever yeah. Trump whatever however Trump became Trump, I think all of that like as you said earlier, when he was, by the time he got to really participating in WWE, he knew. What he knew. He was, what he was you know, he fun. knew yeah. how oh, to entertain. Yeah. But, like, and, we, oh yeah, and oh, yeah. he knew how to unlock people and you know get people to his side. And yeah,
2: I was gonna say well, like we did see some of this during the the, the campaign. Yeah, and it just yeah. shows it was like, like his
1: campaign rallies. This was one right. of
2: the le- this was one of the least ridiculous things about Donald Trump that he had, you know, fought <laughs> in a WWE ring. Right.
3: But it's funny, they told, like, several people told me that they had high profile, you know, stars and better athletes than him that wouldn't do, that weren't as into doing, like, the moves and buying all the way in as Trump. So. Whatever else you can say about him, he was committed to the bit. Well, he, yeah, no, <laughs> commit, he's a showman. Commit, commit. it's number so, one. So,
1: so this decking Vince McMahon alongside the ring there, uh, that that video. So somebody found it, thought, oh, this would be funny, right? Let's just right. put a CNN logo on the on McMahon and boom, yeah, and there you go, and there and it got popped up. Now, didn't McMahon lose this and Donald? McMahon Trump lost, yes, had, and Donald Trump helped shave his head. Shaved right? his head. Can you imagine? Right if there Donald in the Trump ring, lost.
3: That uh, was no I don't that think was Donald Trump was ever going to lose that match. Oh, right. Yeah. But
1: it would have been. I, 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 I no, to, you're telling me. I hate to break. You're telling me that this was rigged. The
2: wrestling thing was scripted. <laughs> it wasn't an actual
1: no athletic competition. Oh yeah. no,
3: God! <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> fake news. Wrestling they... is fake news. <laughs> no, it it was entertaining though. It was a, the reporting process was fun because I had to remember. I had to like. I spent a lot of time watching wrestling. From that era, just oh. to sort oh. of like remember what wrestling of that era was like, and it was it was pretty awesome.
5: <laughs> I would it, just be this
3: an amazing time to be alive. That's it. <laughs> it <laughs> I would just be sitting at work watching wrestling, and people were like, "What are you doing? My job. That's your job. <laughs> you gotta watch wrestling." <laughs> Jesus. Watching WWE,
6: but <laughs>
2: like you know, it's to me the whole wrestling relationship. I think certainly informed the way that Donald Trump ran his political campaign. But also, we should... I mean, Linda McMahon is part of the Donald Trump right. administration. Vince right. McMahon's wife is... Small business small administration. Small business administration. I
3: did a story with my colleague Dana Liebelson on, on some of the practices that WWE used to kind of consolidate and become the biggest... The, essentially, a wrestling monopoly. Mm. And it kind of makes it interesting that she was the choice for small business because... Yeah, they didn't exactly yeah. operate like one. Um, no,
1: yeah, I don't think of WWE either as a mom and pop operation. No,
3: but it was, yeah, it was when they took it over. It was a kind of a regional outfit, and and they basically, uh, they turned it into what it is today through, depending on who you ask in in the business, Whether, either through shrewd business or mm-hmm. by stomping on their competitors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
1: well, there she is. All right, so Peter and Jamie are all very excited this week. Uh, um, Travis, Travis Waldron, HuffPost Sports here in studio with us at huffpost.com because this is uh, All Star week and we have the All Star break and the Home Run Derby. Home Run Derby. Right. Who you got? <laughs> uh,
2: Stanton is in it this year, right? Yeah. Stanton's going to win it.
3: I don't think so. Man. I we have no idea who's in the Home Run Derby other than either. Stanton. Aaron, is Aaron Judge in it? If Aaron Judge, oh Aaron Judge it, is in it. Aaron He's Judge it. is going to win it. You think so? Aaron hey, Judge Bill, is phenomenal. Bill, have you seen Aaron Judge? He's a freak. He's six eight. Did He's you see a the? Freak. No. Have you seen Outfielder. the picture of Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve standing next to each other? Jose Altuve is like a five six guy <laughs> for the yeah. for the Astros, who's also really good, but probably won't be in the home run derby. No, I don't
2: think so. <laughs> Did, I, so Aaron Judge just broke the rookie record for, for home the Yankees runs yeah. for the Yankees with thirty home runs, and they're like halfway through the season. And he already broke the season record.
3: He's 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 been on fire. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's yeah. fun
1: to watch. But I mean, this whole this is like WWE of, of baseball, isn't it? I mean, it just doesn't mean anything. It's totally phony. And well, it's not, not ball, phony. It's,
2: <laughs> you got to hit the ball <laughs> out of so, the ballpark. So, why are you so jaded?
1: You can't like, you, you can't
3: script balls not going not a out real of the game. Well, the All-Star game is not a real game. Uh, True.
1: I feel the same way about the All-Star game. It's a total waste waste of time. None of this is actually real. What if I told you that
2: the outcome of a sporting event has no bearing on the rest of your life at all?
1: Name a sporting know. event. Any sporting event. No, no. Look, but come on. Then you're getting into the NBA or the NFL and NBA. Well, and we're everything. just getting no. really but, existential here. Like. Yeah. No, I'm just. But for the regular season, the competition, I get it. I like it. I follow the Nats. But this stuff is just. Well,
3: this, it's, it's fun. Just, they all get together. They have a good time.
1: Well the All Star game doesn't matter
3: anymore. It's the first year now. Right. That That's right. Thankfully. The results don't but determine do you, home field advantage for the American League but do you or remember National when League Pe- team in the World Series. When Pedro Martinez struck out the first four batters of the You know I do. Of the Of course I remember that. For the National League. Like you don't get to see Pedro Martinez go one, two, three, four against, you know, the four best guys in the National League, and he struck all of them out. It was great.
1: Okay. <laughs> no. Again, if he'd done that in a regular season, game. but he couldn't do it in a regular season because? game. because
3: because he wouldn't be facing those four guys in a row.
1: But he'd be facing
3: yeah. But there's right. A... But these are the best of the best. Right, these are the it. best players in and all like of baseball. sure it doesn't allegedly sure it doesn't
1: matter but... you mean allegedly <laughs> allegedly. Then also when you go to the game and you get to vote. You know, they give you the pamphlet about, about you vote on who you want to be in the All-Star. Thing. I
2: love it's that this all- is the hill that you're going to die on. No, it's the, not, the All-Star game. It's just game.
1: one hill that I'm going <laughs> to die on. One of many that, hill, I, ha- yeah, that I have This is died actually on. my
3: favorite of the All-Star games. It's yeah. actually the only one that I think is worth it at all. They do
2: a good job. Yeah. They, I think they do it. They do a very good job with bay- the baseball All-Star game. Like and, the and-
1: basketball one is barely basketball. Yeah. Right, Exactly. And this and it's coming to Washington next year. So right. we're now we're going to, have to put up not only put up with it, but well, I'm, it'll be you're right, not allowed. Right you're you're not to allowed to go right on top of it. Yeah, no, you're yeah, going to have to work that day. <laughs> what's I'll happen. take Someone's your gonna tickets. Someone's going to give him tickets. He's yeah. going to go. And he's no, gonna he's got to give. Him, he's
3: got give them to us three.
2: Yeah,
3: he hates the All Star game. That's cool, game. right? Uh, you got, If uh, someone gives uh, you uh, tickets,
1: uh, you just give them to us. That's a deal. Deal. Okay. You heard it here. Save that tape. So when does this damn thing happen this week? But is it, home Run but, Derby's tonight, right? Yeah. Oh, it's tonight. I think so. Okay. And the All-Star game? It's Tuesday? Yes. Is it Tuesday? Tuesday game? or Wednesday? I
3: don't know. I All just right. got back from vacation. Did you go to the, the congressional baseball game, Travis? I did, and I went to the women's softball game, which was great. Great event. Softball game better? I've never been to the congressional baseball game, so I don't know. Mm. But uh, The softball
1: game was, was awesome. Softball game is always fun. And yeah. the media won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The good people, the, the, the bad the, news the, babes. Yes, yeah. The, the oh good, no, with our good friends won. Jen, Jen Bendry Lynn Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, had, we we had three people.
2: Yeah, you had a couple Huff of us That three Jen people: Jen Bendery and Elise, Elise Foley.
3: and Kate Shepard.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, there you go.
3: Yeah, we did. Our our we represented. They represented us very well. Yeah, yeah. Elise that's, and Jen both got hits. Kate made the last out. Nice. So nice. All right.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, that's a lot of fun.
3: Good,
2: good showing for the fake news media. Yes, yes. Um,
1: <laughs> is um, Tiger Woods finished?
3: Oh man,
1: sad. Probably,
3: it is sad. It's... But I think he's done. Yeah. I mean, I think he'll come back. But
2: he's done. He's been done.
3: I don't he's think he's done. gonna. I don't think he's ever gonna be the same. Which
1: is a bummer. Yeah, really is. I mean, uh, it's been a long time. The last, the
3: the most recent story is really sad. Um, you know, I think it's really easy at this point to make fun of Tiger, and like people like to make jokes about him. But given what's, given what's sort of going on in the country with opioids and painkillers and whatnot, I have a hard time not feeling a ton of sympathy for whatever it is that's wrong. Right. And I hope he gets it fixed. And you know, even forget forget golf. Yeah, no, he's got two children, and you know. Yeah. I hope he whatever is whatever he needs to do to get back. Healthy and
1: but, but just in terms of um seeing somebody fall so far so fast, right? I mean, yeah, it wasn't that many years ago. He's just, just, yeah, I mean, he th- finished what he finished the in the top
3: five of the masters in 2014, yeah, yeah. Or 2013 or 2014, and you know, he's he was the tour player of the year, and and it just all went away. And I, st- I still think he as one of the greatest athletes of all time. You know, on and on. And yeah, on. I mean, and, and then... definitely one of the most transformative, right? Like, oh, without a doubt. I yeah. mean, not just not just the fact that he was the f- you know one of the first major fa- faces that was African American in golf, but just the way he did it. He made golf fun, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and he made golf front page news. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. It's almost been it's been. Almost ten years now since he won a major.
2: See, I it's
3: so which just
2: blows my mind because I still uh, wrongly look at Tiger Woods as like a young guy, Because mm-hmm. right? I remember when he was right so young, starting out, and uh, yeah, like his mugshot when he was
3: arrested, yeah, looked wow, bad.
2: He looked bad, but I think honestly, y- you hit on it. That is the conversation to be had. I think is about the opioid stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean this is a guy that has a problem with pain pills yeah I mean he as
3: he said it right right and you know that's a problem that's
1: super common now in this country right yeah and so um, i want to change subjects here I love for a short period of time I love Las Vegas and one of the things that always fascinates me in Vegas when you walk through the casino I don't gamble at all I just I just like Watching the people, the whole scene. Like the scene. The scene. It's good people watching. Well, one of the things that always fascinates Best. me is, is going through the casinos, seeing the great big sports betting places uh-huh. where they have all these. They're things. magical, right? Like the. Well, yeah, I mean, so many big, and big the, screens right. and then these people there and the whole thing. And then I'm, and I always think, why isn't sports betting legal all across the country? The Supreme Court is going to be taking this up. Yes. You've written about this. Yes. So, what is the case and what are the chances? So in a few years back,
3: I think in 2012, Chris Christie signed a law in New Jersey that uh, essentially legalized sports gambling at uh, racetracks and casinos, horse racetracks and casinos in the state. Uh, That law is theoretically illegal because there's a federal law called PASPA, the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, that bans sports wagering in all but, I think it's like four states. Only... And only allows. But by the the way, if you go to a track, you can bet on the horses. Horses, which is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's paramutual betting. Yeah, okay. It's not considered sports betting. Uh huh. If you go to Vegas, uh, Nevada is the only place where you can do single game sports wagering. You know the way that we think of it. Yeah. Uh, There's actually been a fairly big movement against PASPA, that law in in the states. There's been several states that have. New Jersey's the farthest along. They that law got struck down in the courts they passed another one two years later that one got struck down now they've appealed it to the supreme court uh there's a chance that if if new jersey wins this case that it could could open the floodgates for gambling in this country uh
1: so what it means is that people could gamble no matter where they are online on any game
3: uh that's unclear uh because New Jersey's doesn't legalize online gambling Theirs goes it just at the racetracks and casinos oh. so you would have oh. to go you know if you're in Atlantic City yeah. you could you could gamble at the at the casinos there on, on sports
1: on a let's say on a, a, a National nationally game right or uh-huh. a football game right. or whatever just yeah.
3: like you do in Vegas yeah okay and then it would be up to it, it conceivably would be up to the states to decide do they do you want legalized casino gambling sort of what we do with casinos right Yeah, um, yeah right just on sports, and the, but the, the big question is, you know, can they win? And then if they do, I mean, and even if they don't, frankly, it could force Congress to go back and revisit federal gambling laws, federal sports gambling laws, uh, because the leagues, the NBA has been very out front. The NBA wants legalized, regulated sports gambling, but only on a national perspective. They don't want state-by-state state patchwork. Uh, the NFL is, says it's still opposed, but has a team moving to Las Vegas. Yeah, right. And Major League Baseball has basically said the same thing as the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, Really? Yeah, they, yeah, they've sort of, the 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 opposition to sports gambling has started to Pete change. Pete Rose comes back.
1: There you go, yes,
2: exactly.
3: <laughs> and, uh, you know, so who knows? I mean, I think most likely is that eventually Congress is going to have to do something about it.
1: Yeah, I was thinking with the Supreme Court, uh, whose job is usually to say whether something passes constitutional muster or not? This mm-hmm. is this, this is not a constitutional. It is there is a constitutional
3: question here, which is d- can the federal government, you know, ban states from doing this? Mm. Yeah, and yeah. is it something that actually falls under the purview of the federal government and or violates? I think state commerce and there's all sorts of constitutional that, questions. Right. There's,
1: there's that would be that, that would be the crooks of it, right? Right. Federal f- federal versus state power, right? Not. Gambling, yes or no? Because I mean, the Constitution doesn't say Americans shall not gamble, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have sports gambling when they wrote the Constitution, <laughs> at least not on the NBA and NFL. So. <laughs> um, Which is why the Constitution is a living document, right? <laughs> <laughs> because it has to to, to be um, you know it has to fix this this new reality.
3: Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. How do you think is, has to come down? It's hard to say I mean there's There's a lot of people Who didn't expect The Supreme Court To even take this case Yeah So the fact that they did I think people think there's a decent chance for New Jersey to prevail. Either way, the the gambling side people say that they need to this'll this should spark congressional action. Chris Christie might go out with a
1: win after all.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll be able to talk about it on his new uh, sports talk radio. Oh, that's no,
1: it. he'll talk about it on the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he's getting some sun. Travis, good to catch up with you, you man. Too. Thank Thanks you. for having uh, me. Huffpost, HuffPost.com. This is the Bill Press Show. The G20, a huge success for Donald Trump. If you don't believe it, just ask him. (laughs) He's been bragging about it ever since. The only person on the planet who has that opinion, by the way. Uh, Well, maybe his daughter does too. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Monday, July 10, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. We are coming to you live coast to coast with the news of the day, the news of this week. It's going to be a busy week with Congress coming back in town to uh, deal with health care among other issues looking less and less likely that uh, the Senate is uh, Senate Republicans are going to be able to round up enough votes and Donald Trump going back out of town uh, across the pond again to France on Wednesday to help them celebrate um, <clears throat> Bastille Day I still I still. Don't know why he was invited to Paris, but at any rate, uh, he was. He accepted. He's going. Uh, Daniela Gibbs-Léger is Senior Vice President for Communications and Strategy. We just call her the head of the resistance at the <laughs> Center it. for American Progress. <laughs> that's it. Joining us in studio to talk about everything that's going on. Hey, Daniela. Nice Hello. to see you. Thank you. Everything good?
6: Everything's good. Well, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> relatively right. speaking. That's
1: right. We always have to add that. Yeah, I got to caveat right.
2: that. I mean, I've totally changed the way that I say hello to people. It's like, hey, how's it going? Uh, reality is a waking
6: nightmare, and there's no
1: end in sight.
2: Oh. Other than that, I'm great.
6: Exactly.
1: Uh, by the way, I just have to. I just noticed that Kelly Kellyanne Conway is on CNN. Oh my oh, God! Lord. You know, they haven't let her out of the box. Uh, only on Fox <laughs> and Friends for months and Shame months. Them. I can't believe. Uh, MSNBC has banned her in the morning. Yeah. Um morning, Joe. But I thought CNN had, too. I can't believe CNN has her on the air at any rate. I can. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Lots to talk about. We want to hear from you, too, uh, uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press.
2: Just a couple of other stories making news. I... Uh hate to report this story because it's not the nicest story, but it has a happy ending. So the kids were camping in Colorado uh, and there's a 19-year-old man who is asleep in his tent and he wakes up at 4 a.m. to a crunching sound. That's what he heard. That's what woke him up. The sound was a bear chewing on his head. Uh- Stop <laughs> it! I'm dead serious. A bear was chewing on this man's head, dragged him 10 to 12 feet. Before... The 19-year-old was able to free himself from the bear. He was treated for some wounds. He's going to be fine.
6: What?
1: But good morning.
6: This is why I don't go camping.
1: Good morning. <laughs> good yeah, I reason. mean. Yeah. Good reason. Yeah, man. Oh my goodness. How did he get away from the bear, though? I don't, just went know. Away I, I, I don't know
2: how exactly he got away from it, but it just said he freed himself from the bear. Like this
3: wasn't like Leo and the Revenant. There wasn't a full-on death, I, don't think right? was a full- <laughs> I
2: don't think it was a full-on <laughs> fight. Man. But, uh, yeah, I just, that's a... I don't like that story. I don't like that story at all. Uh, I'm doing this story purely to get the Jamie Benson Maine rage meter going. Portland, Maine, they had their lobster roll festival over the weekend, Mm -hmm. and there is a competition to see who has the best lobster roll. And the world's best lobster roll, according to this competition in Portland, Maine, organized by Down East Magazine, Uh is Freshies Lobster Company. Freshies Lobster Company
1: is located in
2: Park City, Utah. No! Oh, come on. Park Awful. City- False. Park-
3: False. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. You're, tr- you're trying to tell me Jason Chaffetz at State <laughs> has the best <laughs> lobster roll.
2: That's it. That is Utah. Not- you didn't know this from That is from not me. possible. Utah makes the best lobster rolls in America.
6: What do they know about lobsters?
3: <laughs> they I buy,
1: but they buy their lobsters in Maine. I insist on Angus King
3: stepping in here, making some type of speech on the floor today. We need this rectified.
1: Senator
2: King got to speak on this. Unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Senator King's by, got to speak
1: by the, on the way, this. those of you in the studio can look at my iPhone. This is... Uh, oh,
2: look at your lobster.
1: <laughs> this is my lobster Ooh. from last week in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right.
2: Looks all right.
6: It's all right. Is <laughs> <laughs> that <a> Utah lobster? <laughs> what?
4: On your radio, on TV, and online,
1: this is the Bill Press Show. What do you say on a Monday? Monday, July 10th. Stop eating lobster Sorry. in the middle of the show. <laughs> now I was eating my Chobani. Okay, uh, all right. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us here. As we start a whole new week with a whole lot going on, a brand new agenda, but we're still trying to catch up with the... the uh, um, Sad spectacle of um, Donald Trump at the G20 uh, making a deal with uh, Vladimir Putin to go forward as partners in cybersecurity. Oh, that is laugh out loud funny and sad at the same time. We'll bring you up to date on all of that, plus efforts in the uh, Senate where Republicans coming back and they still don't have 51 votes. In fact, they probably had fewer votes than they had before they left. Uh, Mitch McConnell, miscalculation on that one. Uh, We're coming to you live on Free Speech TV. We're looking at you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, and out on the great WCPT in Chicago. Don't forget our podcast up every day. More and more of you tune in if you're not, uh, can't catch all the show in the morning. Uh, We're there all day long for you um, at billpressshow.com. Go to our podcast or on iTunes, wherever you Go on your smartphone to find it
2: by the way if you do listen to the podcast yes. if you do
1: enjoy the podcast this would
2: be a good opportunity to remind you that you can review rate write a little something there that that's still, important tells how much you love the podcast we would love for you to do that that would be awesome
1: right uh, and so here in studio with us uh, Daniela gibbs leger from uh, the Center for American Progress uh, Daniela nice to see you, you thanks too. again for uh, for coming in um I thought the um, Best summary of what happened at the G20 was given by this reporter, whether you've heard from ABC News in Australia, Chris Ullman, talking about what the fact is when you look at it, the votes like on climate change and other things were all 19 to 1. He calls it sort of the decline of the American empire. Here
5: he is. The G20 became the G19 as it ended. On the Paris Climate Accords, the US was left isolated and friendless. But given that that was always going to happen, a deft president would have found an issue around which he could rally most of the leaders. And he had the perfect one, North Korea's missile tests. So where was the G20 statement condemning North Korea, which would put pressure on China and Russia? Other leaders expected it, they were prepared to back it, but it never came. Never
1: came, never a vote on that. That was the one thing that Donald Trump could have pulled everybody together on. And so overall, uh, looking back as Chris Ullman says, um, where we used to be the leader, we are no longer.
5: So what did we learn? We learned that Donald Trump has pressed fast forward on the decline of the United States as a global leader. He managed to isolate his nation, to confuse and alienate his allies, and to diminish America. He will cede that power to China and Russia, two authoritarian states that will forge a very different set of rules for the 21st century. Some will cheer the decline of America, but I think we'll miss it when it's gone.
1: Ooh, mm-hmm. isn't that tough? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Miss, okay. it, miss it when it's gone. But it, it really is true. You know, <laughs> this has it been does. our show, the G20. We yeah. put it together. American presence always led. We set the agenda. We brought people together to, to, to face the pre- most pressing problems mm-hmm. on the planet. And this time we were just the odd man
6: out. And there was that one picture of him sort of sitting alone at the table. Everybody else is engaged in different conversations. And I thought that was just a really good, you know, uh, metaphor for the entire trip. Hey, look, this entire presidency has been a a waking nightmare. Uh, But this was this was really—I mean—I thought this guy encapsulated it perfectly. I mean, he had an opportunity, if he was a normal president, uh, if he cared about. America leading in a national stage, if he cared about anything besides lining his own pockets and his own family's pockets with money, he would have done something about North Korea. He would have figured out some way to say, hey, American leadership, I may not agree with you on Paris climate change or much of anything else, but here's something where we do we can agree upon and like let me show some leadership here. But this isn't normal. Nothing about this is normal. And it's really sad when you think about how quickly he is diminishing our stature in the world. It's been six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's it's mind-boggling, and it's really sad. And and assuming he loses in twenty twenty, I don't know how we come back from this.
2: It's gonna no. take a lot of work. Yeah. It's gonna take a lot of work. It, it really, I mean, a lot of Barack Obama's first steps as president, as much as people, Fox News tried to turn this into an apology
6: tour. Right,
2: was sort of like reaching across. To other countries and saying, like, yeah, we've we've isolated ourselves a little bit. We'd like to change that. Right. Which was a good look. Yeah. It worked out pretty well for
1: us <laughs> yeah. for eight years. It,
6: it was a good thing to do. But this is, whew, we thought Bush was bad. Yeah. But But and, again- and, 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 it, and to be clear, Bush was Bush bad. Bush was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: but but uh, even George Bush, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, right, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. the American president at these meetings was always the one that people looked up to. Yes. And the United set States- set the agenda. We set the agenda. Uh, we we may not have always agreed with it, but <laughs> but we were the leader, and yeah. the American president was the leader. And and with this one, you could see that people did not take Donald Trump seriously. No. Um. Again, on the issue of climate change, so Donald Trump pulls out of Paris. The G twenty leaders last week said Paris is irreversible. You, the Paris Accords are irreversible. You so. Yeah, the United States may want to feel that they can pull out, but we're, we're barging forward mm-hmm. as a group to cl- take collective action. Here's, our, here's what we're going to do. Here's the new program. And the vote was 19 to 1. Uh, Justin Trudeau from Canada, I thought really, again, here, summed it up. Okay, Donald Trump, you can do whatever you want to do. Well, we're going, out, we're going forward without you. I think the fact that the G20 stayed strong
3: and committed... Even with the United States stepping aside, is a strong indication that the global community in general is committed and united.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obligatory. I love Justin Trudeau statement. By the way. Yes. 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 By the yes. way. Just... FYI, in case people didn't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's it's really it's really sad. And like I said, I don't know how we come back from this. But when you think about the ramifications of this, taking taking apart, you know, or putting aside the foreign policy implications politically here, the wonder, I mean, his base, they don't care. They're like, oh, great. You know, screw the Europeans. We don't care what they're doing. You know, he's about making America great. And we don't you know, we don't bow down to what other leaders are doing. So to the strong 38 percent of Americans who love Donald Trump, this has been great. You know, I'm still waiting and wondering when the so-called moderate Republicans are going to stand up and do something or say something about this. Uh,
1: we all wonder that. Yeah, And we're all waiting for the point where uh, Republicans in Congress, to start with, right. will realize this is not good for the country. It's not good for our party.
6: Yeah. Oh, okay. Ben Sass yesterday, I don't know if you saw what he tweeted. He said when uh, Trump tweeted about his little cyber thing with Putin, basically saying this is crazy, it's not normal, we shouldn't be doing this. And To which I said... Your party created this. Yeah. Your party owns this. Why doesn't your party do something about it? I'm sorry.
2: For all of the accolades that people are, are, are throwing in the direction of uh, Ben's ass, <coughs> like, it, he's not standing up to Trump. No,
6: he's not. He's making
2: statements and then supporting
6: him. Yeah, him and McCain, like, your words yeah. mean nothing. Yeah. Bupkis. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. That's it. Like they act, you know.
6: Oh my stars and garters!
2: <laughs> like yeah. they're so offended, and then right. when they have a chance to actually do something about they're it, they go with Trump. Like, oh, I'm going to support you, yeah. Mr. President. Every time, yeah, every time.
1: <laughs> no, uh, they haven't broken with him really on on any. No, uh, now the, it, it, it's interesting to see. The, you know, the vote on sanctions was what is it? Ninety-seven. Yeah. So here he is, has his meeting with Putin. And says, um, I mean, we were laughing about this earlier. The exchange over the hacking of the election was about as in depth as this. Vlad, a lot of people said you did this. Did you do it? No, Donald. Of course, I didn't do it. Okay, let's move on.
6: Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's about it. Right.
1: Right. And he said we're going to move. Not only are we going to move forward, but he says now we're going to have a partnership on cybersecurity. Right. With. Vladimir Putin, right, to is... protect
6: against elections and other things, or however he poorly worded his tweet. It's no. <laughs> Could you imagine if this was Obama or Hillary Clinton or any other Democrat? I can't keep doing I, that. I know. I can't, I know. If it was I, like, a drinking game, we'd all be dead. I, I, it
2: would be so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it'll drive you completely insane if you if you hold it up to the standard of literally any other president, but especially yeah, Barack Obama.
1: Yeah. No, oh, I can't even. No, I love what uh, Adam Adam Schiff said about moving forward. Just uh, yeah, just let's just forget what they did and let's uh, and let's move forward. Um, ranking Democrat on House Intelligence, I don't think we can move on. I don't think we can expect the Russians to be any kind of a credible partner in some cybersecurity unit.
4: Uh, I think that would be dangerously naive for this country uh, if that's our best election defense. We might as well just mail our ballot boxes uh, to Moscow. I I don't think that's
1: an answer at all. (laughs) It's it's stunningly stupid, the idea of it.
6: It's crazy. And, you know, I I laugh to keep from crying, Yeah. but these people meddled in our election. There is evidence that they actually did try and hack voting systems or or voter rolls um, beyond what else, all the other things that we know that they've done. And and you have on the other side the Trump administration trying to get all the voter information from all the states because I'm sure they're not going to do anything yep. nefarious with that. There is so much crazy and wrong that is happening right now. It's it's it really it, it is um it is a feat that people stay sane. Right. The people who are like really involved, people who are trying to like fight the resistance, it's um practice self care people.
1: So how <laughs> People so, say that but it, it really should be taken it's, seriously. It's
6: serious. So yeah. it's it's serious.
1: Right. What is the uh, the state of the resistance today?
6: <laughs> uh is I
1: active on many fronts or what's going on? I
6: think it's active on many fronts. I think healthcare right now is sort of the main the focus? thing. It's the focus. Yeah. Um you know, we we're talking about 22 million people possibly losing their healthcare. Uh Mitch McConnell According is he, to the Congressional budget office. budget office exactly. Um, which is headed by a Republican appointee. I feel like I must point that out a lot. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell, he tried it. You know, he tried to get this in under the cover of darkness. He tried to get it in when nobody would pay attention. And, and you know, I give great credit to organizations like mine and others mm-hmm. uh, and members of Congress, Democratic members of Congress, who were like, no, you are not going to do this, and who disrupted people's town halls and, uh, you know, just put out really great research showing the damage that this bill would actually do. So I think that right now is the main focus. But there's so many other things that are happening. What's happening at the EPA is tragic. And so, you know, you got to support the people who are fighting that fight. What's happening with the voter stuff that I just mentioned, you have to support those folks. There's, there are many different fires happening, but I think the biggest one is health care.
1: Well, um, it seemed um, kind of, Im- I, I thought, impossible with Republicans having 52 votes <laughs> in the Senate. And, well, first of all, Republicans controlling... Everything. Everything. Uh, that they couldn't get a bill out of uh, – they did out of the House second time around, but they right. couldn't get a bill out of, out of the Senate. But now it's looking more and more likely that they won't be able to.
6: Yeah. I don't think – I mean, look, knock uh, on wood. I hope they don't. But I, I right. think they have a problem because yeah. the people who don't like it on the right, uh, like if uh, – don't like it for very many different reasons than okay. the people who don't like it, the more moderate Republicans. And I don't see how you get one group um, without totally ticking off the other group. Uh, and they need a mixture of both of those folks to come together to pass this. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that um, the moderate Republicans won't be fooled by Mitch McConnell throwing out, you know, not enough money for like opioids or, you know, trying to put some Band-Aid on what they want to do to Medicaid, which is really destroy it. Uh, so I, I think it'll be hard, but we have to keep the pressure up because look, I will never count Mitch McConnell out.
1: Yeah, right. That's smart. So, yeah. what what are you doing a cap to keep the pressure on? I mean, what, what are you telling people to, to so do?
6: So, we have uh, something called the Trump Care Toolkit, uh, TrumpCareToolkit.org, I believe is the website uh, where you can go and it lists the the top senators that um, we need to focus on to keep them at a no or move them to a no. And you can tweet them, call them, email them. It tells you how many people in their state would lose coverage under this bill. Um, there's also resistancenearme.org, which will tell you all the events that are happening in your area um, around health care and other issues to, you know, uh, join the resistance. Uh, but the trumpcaretoolkit.org is really the, the main thing we're pushing right now. Uh, we are doing lots of research around the bills. And you know, when the CBO report came out, we our team immediately crunched the numbers to say how many people in each state would lose coverage. Uh, we've done state-by-state numbers on how many veterans would lose coverage. Uh, So we're doing a lot of both analytical work, but also working with our partners on the ground to move people to stand up at town halls and say, hey, you will not take my health care. I know this bill is bad. You know, either I've read the bill or I know people who've read the bill and, you know, just really make their voices heard.
1: Right. Um, And uh, if. It's the trumpcaretoolkit.org. Dot, dot mm-hmm. But if people generally go to americanprogress.org, they'll find lots of find They can be the directed infamous, to all of this, Exactly, right?
6: americanprogress.org. And then for our more uh, action advocacy side, americanprogressaction.org. And That's follow okay. us on Twitter and prog.org.
1: It's hard to keep up with all of this. I here. know. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> so, uh, people did turn up. At these those who did hold mm-hmm. town hall meetings.
6: Very few, yes.
1: Uh, very few did. But uh, those who did, they, you know, they're feeling the heat, right?
6: Yeah. No, they absolutely are. Uh, people turned up. They waited in line. Um, you know, they for for people who weren't holding town halls, people got creative and like found their members uh, at Fourth of July parades. Uh, you know, It was really great to see that sort of level of uh, activity happening. I mean, And that's the only way that we're going to keep senators from voting for this bill is that they have to feel the political pressure at home. We in D.C., we can say yeah, what we want to say, right. but it's got to be their constituents showing up in their offices and calling them over and over again and saying, don't vote for this bill.
1: What What I find stunning is that uh, that word is getting out, thanks to you and others, about how bad this bill is. Mm-hmm. The House bill was supported by 17, I think, 17 yeah, percent. Mm-hmm. The Senate bill can't be higher than that, it's maybe not. lower. right? <laughs> it's because like 16. Yeah, right. Yeah. So why would Republicans you know, make this their first priority to pass a bill that 84 percent of the American people, including a lot of people, of course, in red states mm-hmm. and a lot of Republicans and a lot of Trump voters don't like?
6: That's a really good question. I maybe because I spent the last 7 years saying that they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. As well, soon that's as they the answer could. that Ted Cruz gave, right? Yeah.
1: Or we have to do this because we promised that we would. Right.
6: It's like, well, what have you been doing for the past 7 years? Yeah. You know, it's like you are intellectually bankrupt and dishonest. This is all about politics. It's never about <laughs> Policy, You know, when Democrats came into office in 2008, you know, CAP and other organizations, we had a health care bill ready because we've been working on it for years because we said universal health care was important. So, you know, if the shoes were reversed and this was us, we would have had our repeal and replace bill ready as soon as Donald Trump came into office. So they are... Um I'm trying to think of the words I could say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they're they're. I have the, the same right problem
1: every day, uh, as Peter can tell you, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes I don't. Sometimes, cross you, win battle, sometimes, sometimes you, you, win you win that hey, battle. Sometimes you don't. Hey, for all human. <laughs>
6: can I say it? they are poop emoji? There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So
1: the healthcare thing is is the main is, is the main focus. The voting rights stuff is also. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And this, with this phony commission.
6: Totally phony to find the millions of people who voted illegally yep. in the last election run by Chris Kobach, who was just the world's worst human being. For those who don't know him, you should Google him and all the terrible things he did as Secretary of State, I believe in Kansas. Um, they are holding their hearing, I think next week, um, their first all-day session uh, I don't know what they're going to talk about, but people should pay attention. and um, mm-hmm. I know that we'll be thinking of ways to get people engaged and involved in that. And again, it's I know it's a lot. We're asking a lot of people to to do, you know, to fight health care, to fight on voting rights, but it's all really important. So however you have to take care of yourself to make sure you have enough energy to do both fights, this is what we're gonna need because think about there are people who are, Unregistering to vote because they don't want their information to h- end up in the hands of Chris Kobach and Donald Trump and Mike Pence. That's that's what they want, a and b. That's insane. So uh, we really need to pay attention to this.
1: I mean, this yeah, this commission. You know what they're going to have? They'll have some fake witnesses come in and talk about mm-hmm. s- maybe some secretaries of state. Or they're, they're going to be hard to find because the last count that I saw, forty-four states. Yeah, <laughs> including a lot of red states, we're of like, course. No, said no, no, no. We're not going to play this game. Yeah, we're not going to. We're not going to give you all this information. Yeah. we cannot.
6: No, they they see through it. They see what it is. They're going to get.
1: They'll yeah. get some people to get up and testify about mm-hmm. all the massive voter fraud that they've experienced in their states. Some but, right, you know,
6: which I don't know how how they're going to find these people because study after study has shown that in person voting fraud really doesn't happen. And it, and oddly enough, in the last election, when it did happen, it was Trump supporters. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> right.
2: That's something that nobody talks about yeah. enough. Like for all of these accusations he's throwing around, it's his people.
1: So we had a um, the attorney, uh, forget his name now, who who um, fought the te- case against the uh, Texas redistricting case, mm-hmm. uh, led the fight against it, uh, was the attorney in the courtroom against it, and um, lost that battle. But at any rate, he said that they looked and out of 20 million votes cast they found two two examples of voter fraud and they were both they were both like one guy had had voted i mean he lived had lived somewhere else and now lived here and then voted he didn't vote twice but he right. was registered i mean it was silly stuff two That's out of 20 million and for those two they were willing to disenfranchise Millions of people.
6: Right, exactly, because it is a solution in search of a problem. Um, It is about keeping as many black and brown and young people and older people from voting. It's about keeping as many Democratic voters basically from the polls as they can. I forget who it was who, who basically said that, you know, we don't want everybody to vote. I'm sorry, I, the last time I checked, I thought that's what we wanted people to do in this country, to be able to exercise their right to vote. But that is not what Republicans want. They want as few people as possible to show up to the polls because when more people vote, they tend to lose.
1: Yeah, and their goal is also to make it harder to vote rather than encouraging yeah. people to vote, making it easier to vote.
6: Exactly. You know, my, my coworker, worker uh, Sarah Lang, tweeted out a story last week. She went to the DMV here. Uh, to, she had to get a new license. You know, mm. We have Real ID-ish or whatever it's called now. Oh, um, And... You know she's a person you know of not of means but you know she's she's not a a low-income individual uh she has access to you know metro she has a boss me who let her go and take care of this in the morning um and it was a pain for her you had to bring all these different types of validation of your address she forgot one of them she happened to have it on her phone to be able to pull up the bill to show the person and it took like an hour to get a new driver's license and so if you take her from a relatively privileged place and then you think about somebody who can't take off time from work because they work an hourly job and they just don't have that kind of flexibility they don't have access to great transportation they you know can't pull up their bill if they forget one and they don't have time to come back like all these voter id laws like they really are designed to keep people from voting and it's not as easy as like well, why don't you just go get an id you know i think her example uh, really illustrates what people have to go through, are going to have to go through as these stricter ID laws come into play.
1: Yeah,
2: um, It's just amazing to me how Republicans will, you know, f- so many of them run on this platform and will fight for well, We need to simplify the tax code because it's too difficult. We right. need to simplify how people do their taxes. And they're right, taxes can be difficult to do. It's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes.
6: But yet on the voting rights stuff... Right. It's a totally different story. Right. It's like, like, why don't we have automatic voter registration in this
2: country? Like, we can make voting a lot simpler and a lot easier for everybody. Yes. But that's the exact opposite they want to do. Exactly.
1: Right. Um, is the whole uh, travel ban issue now sort of in balance until the Supreme Court rules?
6: I think so. Yeah. Um, I know that. Because
1: there's a lot of activity among resistance against that mm-hmm. as well. That's what we remember people turning out at the airports. It was incredible.
6: Yeah, no, it really was. And I, and I think that there's still um, some folks trying to figure out if they can still bring some sort of uh, suits to try to, to get the parts that were reinstated um, mm-hmm. pulled back until the Supreme Court case. But it seems like, from what I've been reading from what my colleagues say, that we are just all going to have to wait to see what happens under the Supreme Court with Neil Gorsuch, right? Yeah.
1: So we always, um, you know, we sort of consider ourselves um, we are part of the resistance, <laughs> uh, and try to direct people, uh, make sure that people are plugged in. What is your best advice to those who uh, are appalled by the policies <laughs> of uh, that, that we're seeing under this administration and want to fight back? Uh, what's the best way to do it?
6: Uh, Get involved locally. I mean, honestly, that is how we are going to slowly take this country back. Uh, It is something that, you know, we on the left have not done as well as folks on the right have done over the past several decades. That's why they control all these state houses, that and gerrymandering. So figure out, you know, what the local organization is, you know, indivisible. You know, they're doing a lot of great work, swing left, um, you know, also trying to, like, flip a lot of these flippable districts. Uh, figure out what kind of impact you can make at your local level to change things. And again, you can go to resistancenearme.org to like plug into events that are happening. Uh, but that's, that's my, uh, my biggest advice there is to, to see what's happening at the local level because that's where your voice is going to have uh, the most impact. And,
1: and uh, I think many of those organizations do. You mentioned individual. Um, every time we go into this, I, I'm always afraid I'm going to miss one of them. I'm sure I will. But MoveOn.org has. Yep. They're they're active at the local level. Mm-hmm. Our Revolution, you know, is active in many many races, city council races, yep. state legislative races, school board. They're races. all
6: important. Every yeah. single last one of them. The most, you know. Arcane one, you know, not a lot of these cities have a lot of very weird things I never even heard of. It's important to run, to field a candidate. I think this year may be the first time that all the uh, state house seats in Virginia actually have a Democrat running mm. um, for every single one. Now, obviously, we're not going to win all yeah, of them, right. but the fact that we are fielding candidates uh, is important. So even if it's a long shot, like we have to start building that bench and we need people to come and run and we need to support them.
1: Like in these special elections, the congressional elections, even the ones they didn't win, right. Democrats did. They, Th- they were competitive and they performed better than Democrats have ever ex- done in exactly.
6: those. Exactly. And I, and I all, all the hand wringing and the crying over, I'm like, these were heavily yeah. Republican districts, people, stop.
1: Yeah, mean, it
2: just, it just yeah. kind of became a math problem at some point. Yeah. You're just not going to get any more voters. You got all yeah. of them that you could possibly
6: Exactly. Get. But we should be yeah. proud of the work of yeah. uh, how far we came from a, yeah. a district that Tom Price won by 20 plus points. Yeah. Come on.
1: And I don't know a lot about politics, but I do know this, right? That if there's no Democrat running, the Democrat (laughs) is not going to win.
6: You know what? I think that's right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's accurate. It's
2: a take quake. we got a hot take quake, folks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so happy that uh, that the center is out there in front, uh, Center for American Progress. Americanprogress.org, or I love that, trumpcaretoolkit.org as well. Thanks, Daniela, for all the good work you're doing. Andy Liskies, covering the White House and the Congress here for the Boston Globe, joining us next here on The Bill Press Show. Stay with us. Cybersecurity unit will prevent future election hacking and many other negative things will be guarded. What say you, sir?
4: It's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Commentary: The best clips from the
1: show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, on a Monday, July 10. How about it? Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend and ready to dive into the week as we are. Where well, we're coming to you live from our nation's capital. A lot going on in Washington this week. And we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers Great teachers of America making a difference in the classroom every day under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. Uh, Salute them and thank them for their support of the uh, program. Uh, Donald Trump back in Washington today. Uh, Well, came back uh, Saturday night, but he takes off again uh, across the pond on Wednesday Uh, while he's here. Still a lot of talk about what happened at the G20. Annie Linsky covers the White House. For the Boston Globe, national political reporter. Hey, Annie. Good, Hi there. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you, too.
1: And uh, while he is here, Donald Trump, he is busy tweeting this morning. A little bit of uh, breaking news here. We can uh, all right. bring yeah. you up to date. So uh, It's been nonstop. I, you it's, know, I got up early this morning. I looked at my iPhone. There he was.
2: So all morning long, uh, he's been tweeting. I'll start where he retweeted a Fox and Friends story about James Comey saying that he leaked mm-hmm. he leaked classified information. So which he did tr- not. Which he did not. But Fox and Friends tweeted that. Trump retweeted and immediately tweeted afterwards. James Comey <laughs> leaked classified information to the media. That is so illegal. He then goes on. I mean, he just pivots to another topic and says, I cannot imagine that Congress would dare to leave Washington without a beautiful new health care <laughs> bill fully approved and ready to go.
0: Well, imagine it. Because yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine, imagine it, it. Because it's it looks coming. like it might happen. And by the way, he's not doing a damn thing he to help even it. He doesn't know what it is. No. He then pivots to another it, topic. Back to this Comey thing. You know, it's been over a month, what, five weeks or six weeks since Comey testified? And, we'll let it
2: go. Uh,
0: no, it just sort of popped into his mind and then onto his screen and then yeah. into our minds. He That's is essentially
2: works. live blogging Fox and Friends. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Yeah. Or live like, tweeting. Yeah, live Fox tweeting and Fox and Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then they were doing the story about how Ivanka Trump sat in his oh, yeah, seat yeah, right. at the G20 mm-hmm. uh, summit. He tweeted, when I left conference room for short meetings with Japan and other countries, I asked Ivanka to hold seat. Very standard. Angela M. agrees. And then he goes, if Chelsea Clinton were asked to hold the seat for her mother as her mother gave our country away, the fake news would say, Chelsea for president.
0: Wow.
1: Like, he is so insecure, by the way. <laughs>
0: There's so many things wrong in that little session. I know. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, yeah. many, so much. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we're looking to Angela Merkel to Germany to, for affirmation here in his tweet. You no, even Angela Merkel agrees. By the way, which
1: I don't believe for uh, a second. No. no, yeah.
0: And also, I can assure you, you know, the media would not be applauding the notion of Chelsea Clinton sitting down in
1: if her mother's... Clinton, I mean, it would be... Uh, first of all, Hillary would not do that. She's smarter than that. But were she to do it, you're damn right. Oh, Starting with me, we would right. all be attacking that as outrageous.
0: I know, I really yeah. wanted to, like, CC Nick Merrill... Um, uh, uh Hillary Clinton's spokesperson on that tweet because he co- constantly ends up having to fight back against these various um Chelsea Clinton stories which are almost never positive yeah. um, anytime her head pokes up. Yeah. Oh so.
1: yeah, right. Uh what's the latest? <laughs> that's enough.
2: That's what we got. That's where we are. Yeah, I mean he's he had some stuff from over the weekend but that's those are all from this morning. Yeah.
1: So um the let's be polite and say the reviews from the G20 were mixed.
0: Correct. Correct. Uh,
1: the reality is the reviews from the G20 were pretty <laughs> bad for Donald Trump.
0: Well, it com- I mean, it comes down to that meeting with Putin that, you know, it's this Russia problem that his administration cannot shake and did nothing to shake. I mean with this sort of two-hour meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin where um, Trump seemingly just felt that he did a good job by just saying, hey, Vladimir, did you... Hey, I just... One quick question. Let's just clear the air. Did you interfere with our elections? No? Okay, all right, let's move on. Yeah. I mean, it's not... That was it.
1: I I summed it up the same way you did earlier. That was the extent of the conversation. Right. Did you? Did you? No, of course I didn't. Okay. Okay. You heard my opinion. That's what he said. I've given. I've. I've already given. Here, Trump sums it up. Quote: He vehemently denied it. I've already given my opinion. Opinion. Seventeen intelligence agencies said it happened, and we have the evidence that happened. And
0: I will say, we are giving this interchange the short shrift by. Neglecting to mention the next step, which is where Putin said, "Oh, why don't we build some sort of cyber defense unit t- together? Why yeah. let, Why don't you know? Why don't we do that?" I mean, somebody um, was sort of talking about this uh, over the weekend and pointed out that um, it would be a, kind of like if Kennedy and Khrushchev sat yeah. down together and um, Kennedy said, "Hey, mm-hmm. did you send missiles to to yeah. Cuba?" And Khrushchev would have said, "No." And then kind of used to say, "Well, great. Why don't we do a, a joint missile defense system together? How <laughs> yeah. about we do that?" Right.
1: Or as Marco Rubio tweeted over the weekend, "Quote: Partnering with Putin on a cybersecurity unit is akin to partnering with Assad on a chemical weapons unit." Yeah.
0: Yes, that's Marco that's Rubio. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, yes. Marco, uh, Marco Rubio, Rubio a, a, a Republican who, quite frankly, has been, you know, you know, quite sweet to Trump. Recently, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah He says is, a lot of stuff, and then he supports Trump fully.
0: He does, but that still, I mean, my goodness, you know, he's not part of this sort of the Trump criticism caucus of McCain and and Graham. I mean, it it is really was stunning, and you did see Trump back down a little bit. Well, Twitter. like,
2: it, even, oh, so, so, so he tweeted he tweeted well, yesterday morning. Yeah, yesterday yeah, morning, right. Putin and I discussed forming an impenetrable cybersecurity unit. So that election hacking and many other negative things will be guarded and safe. That was at, uh, I think that one was at like 8.50, 7.50 yesterday morning. And then by 8.45 yesterday, so 12 hours later, he tweeted, The fact that President Putin and I discussed a cybersecurity unit doesn't mean I think it can happen. It can't. But a ceasefire can and did.
0: Well, and you know, give him credit for that. I, you know, we should, um, you know, that that is a separate issue, and it was a piece of, you know, it was some sense of success at this meeting. But um, the the Russia news is something this administration can't just cannot shake. I mean, it it's um, it's amazing because he does go and he has these foreign trips, and this is his second foreign trip, and there would have been some good news from him out of it. I mean, his speech in Warsaw was quite well received. Um, right. You know, it was Trump on a teleprompter, which is frequently the best Trump.
1: Yeah, of Um, course. Of course.
0: But then, you know, he's inevitably going to sort of shoot himself in the foot, which he did, first of all, with with the Russia meeting. Um, And then you had the New York Times story. Um,
1: I was just going to say then then the other uh, thing that uh, made it impossible for him to put the Russia uh, issue behind him is the New York Times breaking the story, which, of course, the White House first tried to say, no, no, it never happened. Uh, Ryan's Priebus said this was a big nothing burger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet they have confirmed, yes, Donald Trump Jr. did meet with this top Russian lawyer. Jared Kushner, <laughs> his name keeps coming up, mm. was in the meeting as well. Paul Manafort was in the meeting. And they held this meeting with this woman who allegedly was going to have... Dirt on Hillary Clinton. And they met at Trump Tower. So uh, shortly after that, a couple of weeks after that, was on July 9, uh, June 9, right?
2: Yeah, June 9.
1: June 9. Uh, About six weeks later, actually, in July 24, 2016, here is Donald Trump Jr. After word gets out, people are—CNN was reporting— We heard about there were some meetings between some Russian people and people close to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Donald Jr., here he is, denying it. It's disgusting. It's so phony. I watched him bumble through the
4: interview. I was able to hear it on audio a little bit. I mean, I can't think of bigger lies, but that exactly goes to show you what the DNC and what the Clinton camp will do. They will lie and do anything
1: to win. Yeah. There it is, right? Yes. The so. denials. There have been a year of denials. Mike Pence has been out there denying. Donald Trump, Brian's previous, they're all denying there were any contacts at all between anybody close to Trump and the Russians. And every time you turn around, there's evidence of another meeting. Well, now, I'm, it doesn't add up to collusion yet, but there were contacts and meetings.
0: Well, I mean, I would say two things. One, the other sort of stunning turnabout was just the 12 uh, or 12 to 18 hours in which the New York Times initially reported that the meeting took place... Um, And then Donald Trump Jr. said, well, it it was goodness. This was only about an adoption rule Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, within I mean, literally within 18 hours, I was rereading the same story where the motivation, where his, his statement had changed completely because the New York Times then learned that the pretext, the reason that they were granted the meeting was because this Russian lawyer came to the Trump campaign saying Guess what? We have some damaging information about Hillary Clinton. Would you like to meet with us? And then immediately, and they get this meeting. Yeah. So I mean, there's has no, has collusion happened? No, but I think what we did learn from the second statement is that that the Trump campaign was willing to collude. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, They, they yeah. signaled Good an point. openness yeah. Yeah. to collude by 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 accepting the meeting under that pretense. I mean, it, it wasn't like mm. these um, Russians. Uh, this Russian lawyer was coming to say, look, I'd like I'd like to sit down and meet with you about uh, this adoption law that we we find quite difficult or these the, the sanctions that we find quite difficult or how we can get around this adoption rule um, that that Obama started. But th- the pretext of the meeting was, hey, guess what? Guess what? We have some information about Hillary Clinton. And it was I mean, you know, it's just the, the statement seems to be the most dar- damning thing about the story.
1: Right. Um, I'm telling told- I'm telling you. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump. I don't we don't know what's going to unravel to cause this whole uh, the, the House of Cards to unravel. Yeah. But it could be the two sons because they're pretty they play pretty fast and loose. Well, and flying cool. all around the world right now, making business deals in the name of Donald Trump with Secret Service protection. Um
0: I mean they you know you do one I do wonder I did wonder initially, you know, why it was the two of them were not brought into the administration. Um, and I just, you know, you do wonder if there is a little bit of awareness of what their activities were during the campaign, which could become problematic for the administration. And that they is, don't,
1: they won't shut up. I mean, this idea not. that they're just going to do do the business side and not involved in, they're, they're commenting on the political situation every day. Yeah, right?
0: absolutely. I mean, they're tweeting, Constantly, I mean, they certainly have emerged as surrogates um, for their father. So and it is quite hard to um, imagine that there's no discussion at all um, about work when they all get together. But, um, yeah, that was just uh, one of, you know, in this six months of one gasp after another, that story did produce another gasp and another. You know, this has been the line from Republicans who support Donald Trump, has been there's no evidence of collusion. There's no evidence of collusion. And quite frankly, they've been right about that. There's been a lot of smoke mm-hmm. and no fire. And I think this is like the first point where you're seeing a little – you're not seeing fire, but it's like yeah. a little bit of a, a little
4: Yeah, flicker. it's getting closer. There's it's a spark. Getting,
1: yeah, <laughs> closer <laughs> and closer. By the way, in terms of people um, – I mentioned uh, the two sons defending the president. Mm-hmm. I was surprised – maybe I shouldn't have been um, – Last week, week, before when Donald Trump went out after Mika Brzezinski mm. with the uh, the the ugly quote about she was bleeding from a, um, from facelift. a pacelift. facelift, right? Yeah. And the First Lady <laughs> responded on Twitter saying, "Well, you know, if wh- why should you be? Sorry? If you hit Donald Trump, he will hit you back. Mm. Isn't this a woman who did a speech about bullying?
0: Yes, yes. Wasn't that this, going to be her yes, big issue? You yes. do yeah. She mm-hmm. was I mean that was her um r- really t- very towards the very end of the campaign the last few week of the of the 2016 campaign she gave a speech um where she sort of was a 15 minute speech. She hadn't spoken publicly since the RNC campaign.
6: Yeah.
0: Um was, since the that, RNC. That the was com- like the
1: one speech she gave, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: One yeah and it was it, it was fairly anodyne. There was not much to the speech until she got to the very very end where she just sort of with no real transition because I just recently reread the speech s- sort of blurted out that she thought the kind of rough and tumble of politics was a bit too harsh and she would wanted to take on cyberbullying as a cause if she were first lady and then uh, you know that that sort of shocked everybody because Donald Trump during the campaign was it, quite yeah, was, was right. w- you know was 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 quite rough using social media mm-hmm. um but then, you know, she mentioned it then, and there were some cyberbully advocates who, were you know, anti-cyberbully advocates who were somewhat excited about this idea um, because they wanted some attention to be brought to this mm-hmm. cause. But you know, I did a story last week and talking to these advocates who said there is no way that she, first of all, that she has not reached out to anyone in six months. There's been no activity at all. It's a very small world, and so yeah. they're sort of saying, "Look, we'd love." For her to call but she hasn't and then after this twitter episode it seemed like there was no way that she had the credibility and these experts were willing to say she does not have the credibility to take on this issue um which is to me quite remarkable because typically when you talk to folks who are especially outside of politics they are very um unwilling to make such strong Mm -hmm. statements but these um folks who i talked to who are you know among the leaders in, in this field were sort of ag- aghast that she that she was actually hurting their cause, not helping it by providing this sort of giant loophole for cyber bullies that look, 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 you're it's okay for, for you to do it. if somebody has has said something rude to you, then you can really smack them back. I, I mean, know. it's like a giant loophole well, in this by the way, I concept.
1: I expect that from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, right. <laughs> who mm. also gave the idiotic response, Well, the American people knew they were electing a fighter when they mm. elected Donald Trump, right? She's yeah, her
0: her job
6: is. But that's
1: her job mm-hmm. almost, right? It you is. Know, she's better at job. it, but that's her job. I thought it was interesting that they sent her out, not Sean Spicer, that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure whether that was Sean Spicer's <laughs> choice. Um, but at any rate, but for the first lady of the United States, she could have just said nothing would have been better I, than.
0: I, I think just no comment would have been a lot. Would have, you know, and that would have suggested yeah, a little yeah. bit of, hmm, you know. I'm not exactly thrilled with my husband on this. I mean, she doesn't need to say, she doesn't need to attack her husband. I don't think anybody expects no. her to say, look, but, I wish Donald hadn't done that. Um, but I don't think that she needed to, I, I think the fact that they were, she, she was willing to put out that statement. Yeah,
1: and, and we don't necessarily expect the first lady to comment, to get involved Correct. in every little political spat that right. her husband gets involved in. Michelle Obama didn't. Right. Nancy yeah. Reagan didn't. I right. mean, occasionally they would make a statement, then it became news, but not you know yeah she's not there she's not
0: part of the daily sort of back and forth and there was not the press secretary or the
1: communications director or whatever yeah
0: so i yeah that was but i don't uh, you know from in doing my story i did ask whether this is an issue that melania trump is still going to try to do something on and and they the the response was quite um you know it it was not at all firm It, it was just that the First lady intends to use her platform and will be making an announcement in coming weeks, mm. which we know in Trump world weeks means months or sometimes never.
1: Yeah, well, maybe Donald won't let her do that He'll say, "No, you can't do that because I'm the biggest cyber bully there is.
0: It's is just it? very hard to see her <laughs> taking that. One well on.
1: people also also said some people did that maybe when she got to the White House. Yeah, you know, that would be the end of Donald Trump's tweeting because you know then she'd be there and he was yeah. tweeting because he was lonely and didn't have anything else. Yeah, that yeah that really worked too. It's, I mean the the
2: guts that they have to lay out one whole idea during the campaign, which they had no intention of ever following up on and then just let it die and yeah. admit, like, yeah, we're not going to
0: We're not that. doing that. Yeah. There's right. something we've so, never quite
2: seen before. I mean, there, there has, I mean, I'm not saying that people have made campaign promises that they haven't stuck up to. There's usually a reluctance. To. There's a reluctance. There's, there's a reluctance and there's also like an art form to getting out of it. Like, yeah. oh, we really wanted to, but right. these are the reasons why. And they're just yeah. like, no, we don't want to. We're never really going to do What are you going to yeah. do? you going to make us do it?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, a couple of other political stories. Uh, one that you've uh, written on is um, your Congressman Seth Moulton up in uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Sort of breaking away from Nancy Pelosi. Yeah,
0: yeah. He is uh,
1: openly or what's... quite
0: openly, quite openly. So Seth Moulton is in his um, second term as a, a congressman. He represents the North Shore, north of Boston. He's very young. You know, on on paper, he's sort of a you know pristine candidate. I mean. He went to Harvard three times, and then he signed up to uh, go to Iraq twice.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, at one
0: Jesus. point, interrupting his—he um, was at the the um, Harvard Business School, and General Portraeus called him and said, "Look, we need you back here." And and he interrupted his time at Harvard Business School to just go straight back into a war zone. Wow, which is really, you know, quite quite amazing. Um, and so he and so he has this reputation of being, you know, kind of saying it like it is and being a straight shooter. Yeah.
1: No, he's he's made a mark in Congress. He's. he's yeah. He's seen as a real. And he took on. So he
0: took on a Democrat who is um, quite entrenched, Joe, um, uh, Joe, jo Tier- John Tierney, John Tierney, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. John Tierney. I was yeah. very close with Pelosi, I might add um, and yes. in Massachusetts. And so he that was a bit unusual and particularly in Massachusetts politics. Um, but he has made quite a name for himself. Um you know and with with uh you, you know by by taking some shots at Nancy Pelosi, I mean he certainly made some enemies in high places in washington um and and there's a, there are sort of many schools of thought about him i mean he's he's a young upstar, and there you know with that in politics always comes this accusation of opportunism and are you in it for the right reasons um so I mean that is in a story that I did sort of one of the themes that I was exploring and we we received a letter um, uh, from uh, that he had written to Nancy Pelosi a thank you letter three page handwritten thank you letter where Seth Moulton effusively thanked Nancy Pelosi for basically everything from his Plum Committee assignments to his like intern um you know and, and was was very sort of grateful to her and this letter was written kind of back when it seemed like democrats were going to be in charge of the the, uh, the senate yeah. potentially the house and the white house um and then when that didn't happen um you know his tone really changed and all of a sudden he has been did calling he support,
1: on her. did he support tim ryan
0: yes yes and very openly yeah yes uh, and then, and then he did again. Um, so after that sort of died down, and he had supported her challenger. Um, after that died down, he, he, then again after the Georgia elect special election, he tweeted something to, mm, to the effect of Nancy Pelosi's leadership is is mm. you know insufficient for the for the party. And so I think there is a sense of well, you know, you you really were quite quite effusive in your praise yeah, for her right. in September, and then in November you, you changed quite a bit.
1: Right. Um, now the other political story that caught my attention this morning, uh, the number two story on the front page of the New York Times this morning. The headline is, "Pence hosting private parties to woo donors, fueling speculation on his political future."
0: Yes, yes. What is story?
1: What is Mike Pence up to? Holding these, getting all these major donors in, um, in what looks like an independent operation. You know, meaning. These are not people saying, you need to help us raise money for Donald Trump in 2020. Yeah. It's just, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's going on? Does he sort of see that maybe he's going to have to be... uh, taking over here someday soon.
0: Well, I mean, and what's also interesting is some of the donors that he has sort of welcomed into the into the uh, vice president's residence are people who quite openly opposed yes. tru- Donald yeah. Trump.
1: They were never Trumpers. They were
0: never Trumpers. And so he's sort of the life, I mean, he is doing a very smart political move. I mean, one thing, Donald yeah. Trump is not uh, good at donor maintenance. He doesn't like to do it. He he So... You know, so he Donald Trump is leaving this giant avenue open for his vice president to say, well, hey, come on, come on up to the Naval yeah. Observatory. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and and this is a, a, a line that he, uh, uh, you know, a bridge that is being built to some of the most powerful members of the Republican Party who will, you know, they'd be helpful in the midterm elections, which is sort of what the Republicans are immediately looking at. They could be helpful in a Trump reelect, but they could also be extraordinarily helpful to a a Pence presidency. It just
1: seems to me that he is not building uh, a donor base for Donald Trump in reelect in 2020, Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: he's building a donor base for Mike Pence in whenever, 2024, or that he sees that he somehow, somehow, might be thrust into that position beforehand, a, yep, he and he's got to be ready, Yep. which, by the way, is a smart move on Very his smart part, move. but it's sort of telling about little yeah, the little tension, maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah. He has to be careful how far he gets over his skis.
1: Oh, man. So <laughs> much going on, Annie. It keeps you and me running fast to keep up with it. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us this morning. You can follow Annie at the Boston Globe, bostonglobe.com. Have a great Monday. We'll look for you tomorrow. Right back here this on The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show.